too. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 14 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Maladnich of GratefulGarden.biz. And we are also known as Dana and Tiffany, bringing you the voices of thyroid advocates, clinicians, bloggers, thyroid thrivers everywhere. In just a few short minutes, we'll be talking live with the nationally known patient activist, Mary Showman. I'm so excited. Author of many best-selling books. I know, right? I am so excited. I just, I just can't even believe it. Author of many best-selling books on thyroid disease, hormones, and weight loss. And just, my goodness, anyone in the thyroid community that doesn't know her, I'm, I think they've been in a cave somewhere. But first, just a few things we want to share. If you tuned in last week, you heard us chatting with the wonderful Susie Cohen, a friend of mine since I started my website. If you missed it, make sure to listen to it in the archives on thyroidnation.com slash radio. Priceless information. She didn't have much time, but she jumped on and shared some you know, great information with us. So if you missed that, go back and listen to it on the archives. And you can also see a wonderful list of amazing guests that we have, or the wonderful list of amazing guests we have coming up. I mean, we've been saying Mary Showman since we started, so I can't believe we're so already here. But I we know. have we have Dr. Christensen and just you know just a you know Dr. Holtorf and and Dr. Holtz and just some real people too talking their stories. So check out the list there. Very very cool, and of course, always a very big thank you goes out to our amazing Thyroid Nation Radio team. Just all of the questions, all the support, all the love that they provide is just priceless. Raina Kranz, Laura Schuneman, Melissa Phipps, Blythe Clifford, Penny Jensen, Sarah Downing, and Marissa Ravello. Matter of fact, Penny, or, uh, Sarah's going to be a co-host guest or co-host next week, which is going to be very cool. Uh, please yes, check out is. their bios, Thriver Stories, Facebook support groups, blogs, and website links at thyroidnation.com. Radio. All right, Dana, let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Let's do it. Today, our guest is the aforementioned Mary Showman, author and the original patient advocate, the original patient advocate, the one that lit the thyroid patient revolution on fire, truly the the one to talk to, and we've been waiting for this day, and so we're going to just try to drag it out for as long as we can. Is she there? I'm here. Welcome, I'm here. Thank you so much. What a wonderful uh, uh, introduction. You guys have me blushing here. <laughs> We're blushing. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled, I'm, to, I'm I'm thrilled to be on the show, and congratulations. Thank you so much. And we have to share with you, just before we get started, that um, on, on a lot of the other shows, we you know we get so so much information, and there will be moments when there's this silence, you know, you will say something, and I know it's going to happen today. So if you get into that place today where we're in this moment of silence, we call it our flower field moment, Mary. And it okay. just means that we're like, we're just like in awe. It's absorption. Just like, it's an absorption moment. We're just thinking, wow, okay, and just trying to take it all in. So we call it our, our flower field moment. And we've been teasing <laughs> all week with our Thyroid Nation radio team saying, there's going to be flower-filled moments, ladies. You can't miss the show. So oh, we're cute. glad to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you so uh, much. Oh, it's my pleasure. 
And I want to just personally, Mary, this is Tiffany, I just want to personally thank you because you have been pivotal in my own thyroid journey and my mother's thyroid journey, and you are like the go-to woman for me. If if you haven't said it, then I question it. And uh, it's just it's amazing to it's just amazing to be talking to you. So thank you so much for everything that you do and have done for me, and and my mom and her journey. And uh, just very cool to have you here. Oh well, thank you so much. And and you know every time I hear that uh, something that I've done has helped people, and I know you you all feel the same way because of your advocacy, it makes it feel like it's been worth all the effort and all of the time and things. It's just because it really is, uh, it's gratifying to know that people are, are further ahead in their in their journey towards wellness. Because of you. It is. I mean, truly. Yeah, because of you, really, because of you, because you started <laughs> it all. You're the one. So, like, you're the guru. So when I would, like, you know, tell my mom who has no idea of any of the stuff that I do. I'm like, Mom, I've got to let you go. Today's Mary Showman. And she's like, you know, she has no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, Mom, it's Mary Showman, you know. And she's like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'll let you go. You know, she has no idea. I'm like, it's the Mary Showman. Surely Aww. everybody knows your name, right? So, But I do have to tell you a really cool thing that my mom and I were talking about today, just to, really quick, um, because you are so pivotal, like Tiffany said, and, and changing lives of so many people. And when I got into this, um, thyroid nation, you know, really it was because I had my own issues here living in Costa Rica and the Ticos don't have any options and I didn't either living here. I couldn't get anything other than levothyroxine and so I felt really stuck. So that was my that was the, the reason behind starting thyroid nation. I thought, well gosh, if these people are stuck here and I'm living here, you know, I, I wanna do something. So eventually I'd like, you know, my page to be, you know, bilingual and, and all of that. But um it's really neat when you have somebody say thank you for what you've done because I, I wasn't really thinking that I would help. I was just trying to help. And I had this woman um, that lived here in Costa Rica then moved back to Texas, and she messaged me on Facebook a few months ago and said, look, we're coming back. We're moving back to Costa Rica, and I want to bring you something. And I was like, you know, I didn't hardly know her when she lived here, but I was like, well, well okay, well, but why? And she's like, because of your website. I, my life is different. I'm, my life has changed. I'm so much better. I, without your website, I wouldn't have found this doctor. I wouldn't have asked him for this medicine. I wouldn't feel better. I wouldn't be the person I am without you today, Dana. It's because of your website. So you just name it, and I'll bring it to you. Aww. I was like, what? <laughs> what? That's I want lovely. Exactly. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> just kidding. Exactly. Just kidding. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so... If that was just one from me and my little thing that I've done over the course of a year and three or four months, Mary, I mean, what a cool way to go to sleep every night. You've been doing this for 20 years or I don't know how long. And can you imagine all the people that thank you and their prayers and stuff before they go to bed? It's just got to be a great feeling. Well, it's it, it again. It's just it's always felt like a mission for me to just help fast forward people up the learning curve and do what I can to, you know, combat the the situation that a lot of people face in the U.S. and outside the U.S. So it's uh, it's something that makes it makes me happy to do this as as my life's work. And you know, it certainly feels it feels great every time I hear from someone who has used information or has gotten some help or found the right doctor, you know, that makes my day. Well, to really to really focus on that, Mary, that's that's what I want to know when I 
I noticed a, a question in here from Sarah as well, a part of our radio team, and that's what I want to know. You made our job easy. You are the one that said, look for this, this, and this, and test this, this, and this. And so people are really just, you know, adding to all of the years and suffering that you did. We, you made it easy for us. You know, we're, we're taking off where you've done all the homework. So what I want to know, I want to hear from about you and your journey. How was that for you in the very beginning when you didn't have Mary Shulman to click on and Google and, you know, how does Mary Shulman feel about this or that? How did you? How was that for you and how did your journey begin? How did you fall into this, oh, my God, I feel like hell and I've got nowhere to look, nobody knows? That's what I want to know. Tell us about your journey. Sure. Well, I was actually pretty lucky on some levels. Um, I was in my early 30s. And I had been working 80-hour weeks in advertising, eating nothing but junk food, living on caffeine and nicotine, and I was I was headed for burnout time. Um, I was also in the process. I'd gotten engaged. I was getting married, and I was going for dress fittings. And every time I went for a fitting, I was increasing a size. Usually, as a as a bride getting married, you want to be going down in size. I was going up, and I had always been able to keep a you know stay maintain a slim weight, and I I didn't have any issues with that. And all of a sudden, I'm gaining weight, and I noticed I was feeling really tired. And I was getting kind of depressed and draggy and brain fogged. And so I went into the doctor over the course of maybe three or four months, uh, maybe once every six weeks or so, to complain about the latest symptom. And, and, and in particular, this, I'm gaining weight every time I go for a dress fitting. And she, after the second visit, she said, you know, I think I'm going to just check your thyroid out. And she ran some tests. I didn't even know what the thyroid was. I think I had an aunt who had a goiter you know, 40 years ago, and I sort of remembered something about that, but that was as much as I knew about it. And I got a call on my message machine, oh, your thyroid's a little low, we're calling in a prescription, the call that, you know, hundreds and thousands of us have, have gotten, uh, you know, in, in the past. And they called in a prescription for, I think it was Lavoxyl at that point, and uh, I got started on it. Now, I was lucky because I did not go m months and years and forever. You know, my doctor took my symptoms seriously, and she actually did think to run a thyroid test. And she was an integrative MD with a focus on functional medicine. So it was more wow. natural for her perhaps to think that way. But that was just the beginning of the story for me and for her, too, because I thought, oh, in a couple of weeks, I'll feel great. And uh, big surprise, that didn't happen. The weight <laughs> didn't stop uh, gaining, the tiredness, the hair was falling out. I was having a whole boatload of symptoms. And things actually started to get worse in some ways. I was getting puffy. I was waking up in the middle of the night. I was having headaches. And honestly, I thought they must have missed something. There must be something really seriously wrong with me. I would have those 3 a.m. sitting in the dark, you know, terror feeling of, oh my gosh, something really is wrong, and they just haven't figured it out. And in those days, you know, I went to the library. They had a couple of articles in women's magazines that I looked up in the periodical index, and they didn't say anything. I found one book about thyroid, which I always refer to as your thyroid, the least important gland in your body by middle-aged Dr. <laughs> M.D., because it was it was a real short little book and it was all about how easy to diagnose and easy to treat it all was and what a what no you know it was no big deal and then i got my AOL disk we all remember those old AOL disks and stuck it in the computer 
and, you know, went and got a cup of coffee for half an hour while it logged on to the Internet and <laughs> got online and connected with the Alt Support Thyroid Group. And I started searching on what, and this is back in 1995, so these are the rudimentary uh, Internet pages, you know, simple, you know, medical journal info, getting and connecting with other patients on Alt Support Thyroid, and then it started to click, and I realized I am not mm-hmm. the only one who is not feeling good on this treatment, and there's other options and other solutions, and started to learn and put together FAQs and, you know, answering the same questions as new people were signing on to their AOL discs and getting online, and that led to my first web page, and then I turned around, and my, I was working with my doctor, and she was learning as well with me, wow. and she started wow. trying me on T3 drugs, and I was on Cyrilar for a while, and ultimately switched over. That? I mean, that, in the grand oh, scheme of things, when was that? You know, that, she that was probably two years in, so like 97, I wow. started on Thyrolar. Wow. Yeah, so it was, um, you know, so it was, it was really for me, it was, it was just a lack of information, connecting on the Internet, and then sort of just building in the early days some information resources for other people so they didn't have to go read that, that horrible book at the library that didn't help <laughs> us at all. And um, from, from there on, it just screwed. grew. Pardon? I said they should have called the book You Are Screwed. Yeah, well, ex- exactly. Or, yeah, or, you know, he, oh, boy, boy, it's another thyroid patient, you know, like what a lot of the doctors right. say when we walk in the door. Um, right. So, you know, in any case, it's just it's just been kind of a, a, a journey, kind of a flow from there because the, the site grew. It got bought by uh, the New York Times. Um, I Some people said, hey, you got, a, you got the website, but why not – something for the people that don't have the web and so I wrote the first book and uh that was back in 2000 and ever since then I've you know been growing the site and uh writing more books and doing coaching and PBS uh specials and teaching up in New York so I've just kind of been really dedicating a lot of my time and energy to helping other people fast forward up the learning curve wow wow well, we yeah we can't thank you enough. And how's your thyroid journey going now? Are you still My in the thyroid? Right. You know, it's going pretty good. Uh, I'm already through menopause, so uh, because I'm 54. And so I always I always say to my fellow thyroid patients, especially uh, ladies who are not yet in their 50s or going through perimenopause, it's really important to pay attention to that time frame because that can be a little bit destabilizing, and uh, for some people very destabilizing. I was lucky. It was actually a pretty, uh, pretty easy menopause for me. I used some additional supplements and was able to keep things in good balance. But if you don't pay attention, you're going to have to fasten your seatbelt because, as we know, menopause can be rocky even without a thyroid problem, but throw in another endocrine in- issue or even the triple whammy of the adrenals and the thyroid while you're going through perimenopause, and it can be a wild ride. So, um, But at this point, I'm feeling good. Uh, got, I've got good energy. I always have to make sure I get enough sleep, uh, as, often, as most of us do, and I'm always battling the last 5 to 10 pounds, up and down, up and down, but, you know, generally feeling pretty good. Awesome. awesome. That's great to hear because there are so many out there that, 
you know, want to hear that. They want you to feel well, you know. So it's great to hear that you are. But, you know, like you said, it's one of those things that you have you have to pay attention to. Tiffany and I say it all the time. You you, you still have to pay attention. You still got to, you know, kind of monitor where you're at. I bet you don't just, you know, never get your labs done, right, Mary? I mean, I bet you follow up and and you're always paying attention to it, right? Oh yeah, I have my I get my labs done twice a year, and actually, if anything unusual shows up or if I I just feel that bone numbing fatigue or I feel really cold in the winter and I can't seem to warm up, I will go in and get an additional check. And usually I can tell, I know my body well enough at this point after 20 years of thyroid issues that I can tell even if I'm a point off on my TSH or if my T3 is getting a little too uh, low or my T4 is not where it's supposed to be. So I can usually sense even small or adjustments that need to be made. So I'll get back in and get it checked usually then. But I've found that I've stayed pretty stable, especially after menopause. I've stayed very stable on my dose. I haven't required too many changes, although every once in a while I go up and down on my T3 because I'm taking Nature Throid, but I also take a time-release T3 uh, compounded in addition to get a little bit of extra T3. So sometimes that dosage needs to be adjusted a little bit, probably based on my stress level. Hmm, oh, definitely. And, you know, I I have to tell you, you know, that's a really great point that you just made, you know, that you, you do get checked up and, and you do go in when you notice things and you, you adjust your medications and all of that because there really are probably and hopefully people listening that, you know, my mom – I don't know. I hope I hope she's listening. That that just take the pill and just associate the other symptoms because they do kind of overlap. And and she has never changed her pill ever. Mm-hmm. And so she thinks that her tiredness, Mary, or or you know her her cracked heels. Well, she has no idea. I've told her, but she didn't listen. You know, um, she just thinks that's just part of her, and so she doesn't realize that. That you know, getting it rechecked and, and looking at things and always staying on top of it is the way it's going to have to be for the rest of your life. It doesn't yeah. have to be this death sentence. It just needs to be something you pay attention to, right? You you're so right. I mean, isn't it funny? I, you you have to have heard this too, where people say, "I don't know what you're making such a big deal about thyroid disease for. I've had it for years, and I take my Synthroid or I take my Levothyroxine pill, and I'm fine." Well, you know, of course, I'm 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 kind of depressed sometimes, and my hair's falling out, and I can't lose weight, and I feel cold right. all the time, and I got all these aches and pains, and there's puffiness under my eyes, and I have no eyebrows. Tell me problems, but, right? Yeah, but you know, but what what are you? What's the big deal? Like, you know, I'm doing fine with it, and you just think, oh my gosh, why aren't people more interested in this? I mean, this is the this is the the body's fundamental gas pedal. This is our metabolism. This is driving everything in our body. So, you know, if your hair is falling out, if your digestion's not working, your brain's not working, heart's too slow, blood pressure's too high. I mean, there's, it can affect every single thing in our, in our body. So the idea that you're going to take a pill and, you know, it's all going to be fine and any symptoms that you have after that have nothing to do with your thyroid, which, by the way, is the official endocrinology approach to things. Uh, you know, right. it's, it's very frustrating to me because I, I want people to, to get the benefit of better and optimal thyroid care. But if they think it's just taking a pill and going in every year and getting a TSH test, they're not going to really get the best uh, treatment that they can that, you know, and, what, and what they deserve, really. 
Well, and and you know, the my same dad, thing is, you know, go ahead. My dad has been on Synthroid since 1950. Mm-hmm. He's had two bouts, two bouts of prostate cancer. The first one was like 20 years ago. And my father, for the first time ever, I've been piping since the beginning of this last uh, diagnosis of prostate cancer again two years ago. Please have them test the, the free T3. Please have them for us. And, and his endocrinologist and the oncologist, everybody was just shoving me off and sloughing me off and telling my dad that it has nothing to do with it, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, they finally tested it like two months ago. And my dad's free T3 is very, very low. And I said, Dad, you need to get on some T3. So he's got an appointment. But this is 65 years, 65 years, right, mm-hmm. of Synthroid alone. And, you know, the joint pain and the back pain and everything else. And, and even to this day, there are doctors, as we all know, right, that just don't give it any credit. They don't give it. It's a simple, like you said, one pill. It's fixed, you're done. No, it's not. Right. No, it's not. It, it's yeah. crazy. Craziness. And they're always telling us how easy to diagnose and easy to treat it is because it's TSH test and it's the, the Synthroid or the Levothyroxine pill to treat it. And, you know, I've always said if it's really that easy, then why is it even a specialty? Because, you know, my 12-year-old <laughs> son one. could be an endocrinologist by that standard. <laughs> exactly. Well, with you as a mom, we hope that your son becomes an endocrinologist because you can sign me up as one of his patients. I'm going there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, oh God, I don't know about that, uh, you know, un- unless we're going to be building um, uh, lab- labs out of Legos. At this point, it's car- I, don't, I don't see him heading into the medical field. But my daughter is actually talking about becoming a nurse practitioner, and I think that would be a great uh, a great opportunity for her because, as we all know, sometimes the nurse practitioners and not the doctors are the ones that take the time to listen or who understand what more what's going on with hormones and who are more open-minded about working with thyroid patients. So I know a lot of thyroid patients that have beloved NPs that are part of their care teams. Oh, absolutely. I see so many stories like that, You're and you're absolutely right. And it's it's funny because... People will go on forums and, and in groups, and they'll they'll be amazed. They'll be like, "Oh my gosh, my nurse practitioner is so wonderful! She took all this time and did all these tests and did all this stuff." You know, like praising their nurse practitioner because they're evidently their doctor isn't isn't cutting it. So that's very cool. Do you have any other kids, Mary? Uh, I have two children: my son and my daughter. My daughter is going to be graduating next year from high school. My son is uh, just in middle school. So um, just the two of them. And uh, they keep me pretty busy. So, um, and you know, luckily neither one of them uh, has has developed any thyroid conditions so far. So, but I I keep them. I try. I keep track of both of them. My son is adopted, uh, but I still ma- make sure that I'm checking him as well. But my daughter in particular, because she's biological, and I'm always uh, making sure that they throw in a thyroid and antibodies and things since she's been in early puberty. Because I've always wanted to follow along and make sure. Uh, knowing the family history and the, uh, the the higher risk of autoimmune and thyroid disease in families, and in particular among the women in the family. So, and that happened to me because my mom's been on Synthroid for I don't know thirty, forty years. My poor mom. I pick on her every show. <laughs> my poor mom. But really, you know. Uh, and but she's also stubborn. She's stubborn. She doesn't want to change. And I was just reading. On our on our thread from one of our team members, she says, um, 
let's see, uh, I have family who didn't want to know anything about it, just had his thyroid removed, and that was that. My uncle and my aunt both just didn't and don't want to know. Wow. What? Yes. Well, I mean, I think that there's, I really think there are there are two different types of people out there as far as when we're dealing with chronic illnesses or acute situations like a cancer diagnosis or something like that. There are the people who are just overwhelmed by medical information and feel like it's the doctor goes to med school, it's the doctor's responsibility to take care of me, and they they don't want to be in the driver's seat or even in the in the you know co-pilot seat. They want to just have the doctor make the decisions so they don't have to worry about it. And you know that's that's one approach. But then there are the people like all of us who say, wait a minute, this is my body, my health care, and I want to be part of the decision-making process. And in order to do that, I have to be at least knowledgeable enough about my condition and my situation to help make good decisions with my doctor. And so I try, I try not to, uh, to, to judge people who really don't feel up to dealing with the advocacy uh, themselves um, but, you know, for some of those people, I say, look, you know, if you don't feel up to it, and I understand that it's not for everyone, maybe there's someone in your family, a friend, a, a daughter, a sister, a brother, a parent, someone who is, who does have that fight in them, who wants to do some research, who wants to be your advocate. And I say team up with them um, because I know I've done that, and I'm sure you all have done that for other family members who may have may have not been willing to do it themselves but knew they needed the help, so they said, hey, I really need somebody to kind of help walk me through this. So I always encourage people, even if it feels daunting to you, there's got to be someone in your life. There's a friend or a family member who's willing to, to tackle it with you, who knows how to Google, who knows how to get the information, who can go in and talk to the doctors, and who doesn't think that the doctor is, you know, Marcus Welby, genius of the century, but might actually just deal with the doctor as if it's a service provider like anyone else. Right. You know, I've got to pipe in here for a second. Mary, you made such a really, uh, you know, what Dana and I would refer to as a flower field moment. But just even from my own perspective with my mother, uh, my mom was diagnosed with a very serious uh, thyroid condition and parathyroid condition, and she chose not to treat it. You know, she said she felt fine and, you know, thought the doctor was crazy, and the doctor even had her sign off as a patient. He said, this is going to cause you big problems, and I can't participate if you're not going to, you know, if you're not going to treat it under my care, blah, blah, blah. And as her daughter, I have to tell you, my mom was a beautiful, intelligent woman who made a very bad choice because even though she felt well at the time and, you know, I know that as her child she had joint pain and a lot of things I don't think she chalked up to a thyroid condition because she didn't have, you know, the advocacy and, and people saying, you know, this is not normal, this is not, you know, so many people get a baseline of feeling poorly and they mm-hmm. don't realize how really good they could feel. So my mother, in my mom's case, it very much affected her ability to make decisions. You know, uh, my mother died eventually from Alzheimer's, and I swear there's a link there just because, you know, of my own thyroid journey. I've felt the cognition problems. I've, you know, felt when other people are talking and you couldn't, you couldn't connect. It was like, I don't understand what you're telling me. And so I look back at that now in my own journey, and I wish that I had fought harder for my mom because... She wasn't able. She wasn't available in her head. Does that make sense to to fight mm-hmm. her own fight? 
And so you made an enormous point there of, you know, if someone is really not what what we would consider mentally well or making, you know, good decisions to have an advocate for them that will help them or even just too tired, like you said, just too tired to fight the battle or doesn't have the personality to go in and fight for it and blah, blah, blah. But just, you know, uh, that's so important, I think, uh, that we Absolutely. have people who help us connect the dots. I agree, and it's and it becomes even more of an issue, uh, I think, for some of our older relatives because they are coming from an era where doctors were were gods. They were king. They right. you did not question them. They were all knowing, and uh, very few people had access to medical information or the kinds of resources that we now have on the web and the kinds of books and materials that we have to educate ourselves, and so. So they were up in the rarefied air of uh you know their ivory towers, and we you know we were they this generation was was trained this generation of older folks trained to truly respect and and basically just follow a doctor's direction without question and that's a tough thing to get untrained from i mean when you've had it your entire lifetime of being of thinking that doctors are somehow better than you or that they know so much more than you and and that you need to to do what they say unquestioningly. And so sometimes I think that's where our older relatives can can use uh some help from from those of us who are like, eh, doctors, yeah, they're like plumbers and car repair guys, you know. They're you know, if I don't right. find one I like, I'm going to find one I do. So, I mean, I think we have a much less uh um, you know, it's uh, certainly I I respect great doctors, but I don't feel like I am somehow going to have to treat a bad doctor with respect or be afraid of a doctor who's not competent to treat me. They, you know, I'm, I'm on to the next Ooh, one. They're say gone. That, say that again, Mary, for the listeners. Yeah, one say more time. Say that again about incompetent doctors. Well, I mean, uh, an incompetent doctor, and there are plenty of them out there, uh, you know, you owe nothing to an, in, an incompetent doctor. You don't have to spare their feelings. You don't have to worry about whether they like you or get mad at you or care anything about them. It, would you care if the plumber can't fix your, your pl- plugged toilet and you got another plumber? No. If, you're, if your doctor can't fix your thyroid, get another doctor and don't think about it after that. Again, doctors are service providers. They are not, you know, somehow in some sort of a a position where they deserve some uh, sort of pass for bad behavior or incompetent treatment. If they can't do the job, fire them and get somebody who can. We need one of those clapping moments, one of those clapping buttons on the the, – or the angelic moment. That's what we need. Yeah, because, yeah, for our flower field, it's got to be like, you know, light and airy. It needs to be the voice, right? That was perfect. Uh, I, so you know, help us. And I will. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say. I know this is something you want to talk about, and I know this is something that that Dana and I both get major questions on. Mary is working with doctors and HMOs and with insurance. When you can't stand your doctor, he's a buffoon. He's not listening to your symptoms. You don't feel well, but you're bound by your insurance and your HMO to this particular doctor. What do you say? to that patient, Mary? Well, I mean, first of all, in some situations, if you're in an HMO, you do have the option to see a different doctor within the system. So it may be worth checking with, and sometimes even 
the folks that do the scheduling or the nurses at the doctor's offices know who has the better reputation among the different doctors within NHMO. So it may make sense to start asking around, uh, hey, is there anybody that's got a good reputation for thyroid or is working with natural thyroid or has a more open-minded approach to it uh, as a starting point? In some cases, uh, you may need to go to the ombudsman, um, who's usually the representative that's meant to communicate between the company and the patients and say, look, I need X, Y, and Z tests and I need some approaches to treatment that this doctor is refusing. And sometimes the ombudsman can go to bat for you. Um, but then I, then I have sort of what I call the nuclear option, which is that you take a checklist and you can get a checklist of symptoms and risk factors from a lot of our sites. Um, my book, Hypothyroid Mom, you guys have some good checklists, but wherever you do, you, you get a detailed checklist of risks and symptoms and you take it into the doctor, and if it, let's say you want to get uh, free T3 testing or you want to try a natural thyroid drug or you want reverse T3 checked or something along those lines, and the doctor's looking at you like you have two heads, you go in <laughs> with your symptoms and, and uh, risk at checklist, and you fill it all out with your name and your date, and you say to the doctor, okay, look, I want to document for my medical record that you are refusing to test the free T3 or test my antibodies or do a trial of a low dose of natural thyroid or do a trial of adding Cytomel, et cetera, to my treatment despite these issues of my medical history, my symptoms, and my risk factors. And I want it put in my medical record, and I want you to sign it and date it. And I I've known a number of patients that I've counseled to do this, and everyone who's done it has gotten what they needed from the doctor. We call um, it man politely. <laughs> yes, yes, I mean you don't have to you don't have to be mean, you don't have to be obnoxious or aggressive about it. You simply say, "Look, I really would like this in my record. Could you please sign and date that that your your refusal to do X, Y, or Z?" And most of the time doctors are pretty reluctant to document <laughs> their failure to do something. Right. So usually you will get around the, the system reasons, that way. There's legal reasons behind that. So you're basically calling them out on the floor. Saying, exactly. I just want to make sure this is in the chart. And they'll exactly. do it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> right? I, I mean, love that. that's that's an amen moment all, all the way. I mean, I hope everybody listening can share that information with others that you know because wow. What 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 a great resource to have. You take this in and you and you call them out and you don't you don't have to be ugly or mean like like Mary said. You just you just politely say, okay, could you sign this and check it out, and, and you're going to get some help. I mean, wow. Well, that's sign here's the a other refusal thing. to treat. You know, they make patients do that. Sign right. a refusal to treat. I like exactly. that. Um, the, thing that, the thing that I think pe- that makes people nervous, though, is, you know, because I'll tell you, if you do this to that doctor, they're not going to be the, the, the president of your fan club. Right. So, but you have to understand that that's not, we're not going out for a popularity contest to the doctors. We're looking for them to do what we need them to do. And so one of the things that, that I, you know, I I say to people is realize that it's usually the squeaky wheels that are going to get what they need. And there's a wonderful doctor, Bernie Siegel, who does a lot of work with cancer patients and has done a lot of the work that shows that the attitude of cancer patients has a lot to do with their survival. And 
in one of his books, he said, if you look in the chart of any cancer patient who has beaten the odds and survived, there's going to be multiple notations from multiple doctors that this is a difficult patient. And so well, you need, yeah, you want to be a <laughs> yeah. difficult patient because the difficult patients are the ones that survive. And Bernie Siegel said it, and I've heard many doctors say it, and I've seen it myself in terms of situations with family and friends, and it's the people that ask the questions, that don't take no for an answer, that don't get railroaded into treatment A, B, C, and D. It's the people that that are pains in the neck of the doctors that actually will often get much better treatment and much better outcomes. We're going to quote you on that one, Mary. And for the listeners out there, yes, difficult are. patients are the ones that survive. You talk about exactly. resonating. That is a resonating statement right there. Difficult patients are the ones that are survive, the ones, the ones that, that are survive. intricately involved and are not just going to lay down and die and feel horrible and have no energy and not be able to enjoy their children and not be able to go to the fair because they don't have any energy. And whatever it is, it's not okay. And I'm going to make that you, Mary. For, for you, Mary. I'm going to make that for you, Mary. Actually, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have my wonderful husband make it for you, and I'm going to send it to you so you can post it, and we're going to put your quote on there because that is, that's a great thing to share with people, really. Wonderful. Love Thank statement. you. You're welcome. You know, and for someone with, with uh, kidney disease, that, that you know, that uh, the T3 is a marker for survivability in many chronic conditions. Yes, you know, it, absolutely. It takes a tank in people that don't have thyroid problems. You know, you don't. You can clearly have a perfectly functioning thyroid T4 and TSH, and in people with chronic illness, the T3 takes a tank. Right. You know, it's it's important, 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 important. <sighs> I'm in a flower yeah. field moment, girls. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a lot to absorb. I'm trying to process everything she said. You know, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. This is why we call it our flower field moment because, you know, in the very beginning when we started our show, we would have all these moments and people would say, are you guys worried about having dead dead air? And we're like, no, we're not. I mean, this is like getting some amazing information. People just want to sit there with all of us and go, okay, all right, that's what I'm going to do. Well, and for people so that's that what struggle we're with cognition, it's a lot to retain, you know. And sure. To really, yeah. You're like, oh, God, I don't want to forget that. Oh, God, that I don't want to forget that. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, that's why the community and, and you know, is so important, you know, just the, the feeling that we're not alone and that someone else is doing our thinking when we can't. And, you know, I, I don't know about anybody else, but for me that's been, you know, I've met some of the most amazing, you know, extraordinary Dana and I always joke, I feel like, you know, thyroid disease is extraordinary women disease or extraordinary people disease because we usually have done a lot, petered ourselves out, <laughs> and now we're like, someone right. help me <laughs> get back on right. my feet, you know? But, well, okay, I think so I always talk. think it's... Go ahead. Oh, no. go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please. Oh, no, I was just going to say that I think it's important as women that we also hear this message that... We don't always have to be the nice girls about this because, I mean, we're so many of us are raised to be polite, and in some cases, polite does not translate to assertive. And assertive simply means stating what you need and in a in a 
calm and proactive way. It's not aggressive. It's not nasty. It's not the B word. It's simply being direct and, and asking for what you need. And I think that a lot of us are uncomfortable with that. So I think, you know, one of the things I would love people to take away from our, our conversation today is you have the right to ask for what you need. That's not being bad, nasty, difficult, terrible, awful, or a B, or any of the other, you know, words they use for women who are strong or powerful or direct. You are you are simply being assertive and asking for what you need. And I think a lot of women, even younger women, um, but women of all ages, struggle with that. They think they have to go along to get along. And I want people to know you don't have to go along. You don't have to have a fight, but you don't have to just take everything at uh, as a directive. But you can question, you can ask, you can explore, you have options, you can get second opinions. And if anybody's insulted or bent out of shape about that, it's about them. It's their problem. It's not yours. I'm like a bobblehead sitting here shaking my head, you know, while you're talking. <laughs> like, amen, I love that. That's great. And and along the same lines, Mary, you know, I I was taking LDN, but I want you to talk about it a little bit because that's something that I've had a lot of people ask me about. Tiffany has. It's been around in the groups and things. And I know people are apprehensive or women are apprehensive to ask you know, they've heard some great stories about it, but they're afraid to ask, and, and some people don't really know what it is. So will you, will you elaborate a little bit on, on LDN for us, Mary? Sure. Um, LDN is the abbreviation for low-dose naltrexone, and naltrexone's been around for, I think, over 50 years, and it is it has been used at high doses as an opioid receptor blocker, which is a fancy way of saying that it blocks the narcotic effects of certain drugs and alcohol. So it has been used in high doses as a treatment uh, along with other things to help people with serious addictions. And um, at the time that they were doing the initial studies on the patients with higher dose naltrexone, so they were using 80, 90, 100 milligrams a day in some cases, they also found that some of those people had remissions from autoimmune diseases. So Dr. Bernard Bahari started to do some studies using patients uh, with autoimmune diseases to see how low can we go? At what point do we lose that autoimmune modulating benefit of the low-dose naltrexone? And what he discovered was you could take it down to levels as low as less than 5 milligrams a day and still have the immune modulating effect. So it seems to be that something, and they're not quite sure about the exact mechanism, but something about the, the low-dose naltrexone um, modifies some receptors in the system and mediates immune responses in some way. So we see some people on low-dose naltrexone having reduction in antibody levels, and that allows them to go on lower doses of medications for a variety of autoimmune diseases, thyroid, MS, rheumatoid arthritis, and others. Um, in other cases, some people have actually gone into full remission, meaning their antibodies have become de non-detectable. Um, I have talked with people who have actually gone from wheelchairs to being able to walk with MS, people who wow. have been able to go off of the chemotherapeutic drugs like methotrexate that rheumatoid arthritis patients have to take and have been able to maintain with much less side-effect-laden drugs. 
So low-dose naltrexone is considered an off-label use of this drug. It's, it's approved by the FDA for the addiction uh, component treatment, but at the very low doses, it's not approved, but it is considered an off-label use, which is legal and prescribable by doctors, but not that many doctors know how to do it and how to do it correctly because they can get you into trouble, especially for thyroid patients, if they don't know what they're doing. For example, if they give you too much and that can shoot your antibodies way down or drop your TSH dramatically and actually make you hyperthyroid uh, if nobody's checking to see if you need a dosage adjustment. Um, they also can sometimes give people uh, too little and, nobody, and they're not getting any benefit from it, at which point then they give up and they've wasted their time. So what we really want is a doctor that knows what they're doing, and we want to do this under a doctor's supervision because you can get – uh, some forms of LDN offshore, but it, this is not a do-it-yourself project because some of the LDN from offshore is not potent or it's not uh, as effective. And so, frankly, you're much better off working with a doctor who knows what they're doing and getting a quality um, low-dose naltrexone in the correct dosage, not buying pills and chopping them up into little bits and things and trying to do it yourself. Um, but it's it's a very promising approach for autoimmunity and uh, I think, you know, it's one of those things where certainly nobody has patented it at, for, in that form, but I'm afraid that at some point, not too distant future, we're going to see some drug companies come along, make a few little changes, and put out a, uh, a brand name form of this for autoimmune disease and probably charge $1,000 a month when a, a low-dose naltrexone mm. prescription is usually less than 20 So, Wow. That's an enormous difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the difference between... Um, uh, drugs that are not patented or brand names that are in the generic and on the market for a long time versus things where they've taken something, made a slight change to it, and then patented it or created it as a brand. They're able to charge tremendous amounts of money. That's also why a lot of people don't know about low-dose naltrexone because there aren't drug reps showing up at doctor's offices uh, touting it on a daily basis and handing out pens with the LDN logo <laughs> on it. Right. And sending them on right. golf trips. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Golf trips, right. Yeah. And coffee mugs. Oh, been there, done that. I've mm -hmm. seen it multiple times. Trips to Europe. I mean it's and then all of a sudden everybody that comes in gets that prescription. You're like, Are you kidding me? Is this a new mm -hmm. problem? All of a sudden everybody's calving or what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. Craziness. Craziness. How about other new therapies? Anything promising on the horizon for, for thyroid sufferers, Mary? Well, I'm really excited about um, this, the new developments with autologous stem cells. And what this is about is uh, a lot of us are familiar with the concept of stem cells and the idea of stem cell transplants, um, but the but the the idea there, or you know, bone marrow transplants or stem cells from bone marrow, some of those uh, kinds of things we're thinking about, you know, reducing the immune system and having to do it in a sterile environment in the hospital, and it's a big deal. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the other thing uh, with stem cells that people get concerned about is. Uh, a lot of times, in some cases, some of the studies in stem cells that have been used are fetal stem cells from miscarried or aborted fetuses. So there's some people that are morally opposed to the use of stem cells. But autologous stem cells are stem cells that come from ourselves. And what they do is they're harvesting them from areas of fatty tissue. 
So um, autologous stem cell uh, transplants, they, they do a mini liposuction, takes about 10 minutes, so they go into an area, usually in your belly, the little pooch or the muffin top area, and take out a little bit of fat, and then that fat is spun in a centrifuge, and certain growth factors and immune factors are spun out of it and concentrated, and then they're re-injected into a place in the body. Uh, in some cases, if there's knee injury or shoulder injury or joint injuries, it'll be injected into the joint. Um, in other cases, it can be inject, injected into the bloodstream to help the overall immune system. Um, but they're having some really amazing results with this particular treatment, and it's considered very safe. The main risk is uh, is from uh, an infection from the um, uh, the mini liposuction, which, if it's done properly by somebody trained, is very minimal. And uh, there, you know, it either works or it doesn't work, but it doesn't cause problems for people. So, and I've heard um, a number of people who've been able to to deal with frozen shoulder and rotator cuff injuries, and actually avoid hip and knee replacements by utilizing this particular treatment approach. It's also um, been known to put antibodies into complete remission on a number of different autoimmune diseases. So this is this is kind of the future. Right now, it's considered an experimental treatment by the FDA. Um, so it's legal to perform, but it is patient-funded. So it's, that means it's not going to be covered by insurance. Um, but there are some doctors that are doing it, and they're all participating together in investigational studies looking at the track record and keeping track of all of the results of different patients with different conditions. So that's one of the things that, that I'm getting the most excited about because I'm even hearing that they're having results with asthma and allergies and a variety of immune issues and, you know, who knows where else they're going to be going with this because it's really just in the earliest stages, but it sounds like it's, uh, it's got a lot of promise and it doesn't have the downsides of other kinds of stem cells and it doesn't require you to shut down your immune system and rebuild it. And so you can kind of, it's an outpatient procedure. You go in, takes about 90 minutes to have the, the mini lipo and spin the cells and have them re-injected and you walk out the door. And, um, you know, it takes a couple weeks then for things to kind of build back up, but it's, it's, really, uh, it's really exciting to think that these are some possibilities for the future. Now, wow. that really a, would that be more? I know that's just that that's just so amazing. It's it's so futuristic. It's almost weird to hear, you know. But right. you know, would that apply with you know thyroid cancer patients and things like that, even for uh, regeneration of tissue in the future? That's well, possible, this, right? Down the road, I you know we're, they're they're looking at growing. Uh, new tissues and things from stem cells and such, but that's not where this particular therapy is headed at this point. Um, I don't know that it's being used as a treatment for any kinds of cancers. It's mainly for um, injuries, joint, muscle issues, and immune uh, rebalancing, and uh, not for regrowth of tissues um, per se or, or organs right. per se. Um, but you know, I've seen <laughs> studies that have said that they're looking at that down the road with other, wow. you know, other capabilities. So I'm, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen in our lifetimes, but this is certainly a good start in the direction of additional weapons to deal with the immune system. Because so many of us now, a lot of, you know, if you go to an endocrinologist and say, well, I'd like to have my antibodies checked, 
Some of them, including my, my first one, will say, what's the difference? It doesn't change the way I'm going to treat you. Right. And, you know, now, but now we know if you have antibodies, you may be able to do LDN. You may be a good candidate for this stem cell treatment. You, at minimum, need to be looking at uh, ways to reduce inflammation in your body. You might be a candidate for a good, you know, selenium supplementation. Um, there's a lot of things that you can and should be doing uh, to manage the autoimmune component, and endocrinologists simply, that's not their area of focus. They're looking at the structure of the gland, not the immune system. Right, and I always that's tell people, That's what I was going to ask you. That's what I was going to ask you, Mary. Like, who, who is a candidate? Like, like what, what, you know, what, can you get, elaborate on who would be a good candidate for, for that kind of thing, and how do you know if you're one, you know what I mean? Well, um, certainly the kinds of people that have several autoimmune diseases that are flaring up and down all the time are the type of people that may benefit the most from these kinds of approaches, the, especially this autologous stem cell in particular. And um, the, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of different resources that you can learn more about it. There's a website called stemcellrevolution.com, which is run by uh, the, the national group of doctors that is doing all of this investigational research. And uh, in the New York area, there's the nystemcellcenter.com, uh, which is David Borenstein, uh, MD, who is well-known to the thyroid community. He's one of our, uh, our thyroid-friendly doctors who gets it as far as uh, understanding thyroid and adrenals. And he has really been looking for some cutting-edge approaches to deal with autoimmunity. And so he is uh, doing this therapy as well um, and has, you know, just started in the last few months after training with the folks at the stem cell, uh, the, Na- the National Stem Cell Center. So um, these guys also, they have, you can do like a mini consultation with them. If you outline what your particular issues are, you can send in a message to uh, either one of the sites and say, here's my situation. And they can tell you whether or not you're a possible candidate or at least whether they can take it further and have another conversation with you about it or whether it's simply not something that's going to be a good fit for the particular condition that you have. Wow. Okay, great, because that's that's very exciting to something to think about, you know, because can you imagine having this platform, um, you know, 15 years ago, Mary, being able to come onto a show or or any show uh, or your website or your books and be able to share this kind of information with so many people, it's it's just amazing. So you know, back then, could you imagine what you've you know what, what how you've changed and and shared things for people for now? So that's it's really neat to know. Yeah, I, I think it's really exciting to um, to know that there's still new things on the horizon, and that there's always some something new to find out and possibilities for new types of treatments. So who knows? In ten years, we may all be doing something completely different than what we're doing now that we don't even know exists yet. So I think it's very exciting. Right. Right, that's what I meant. Thank you for saying that in a much better way. That's exactly what I was trying to say, but my brain fog over here was just not allowing it. So you summed that up quite nicely. Thank you, Mary. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> well, we would you like to know. giggling at me. I am giggling at you because you're funny today. You are. You're a giggle I'm monster giggling. this morning. It's Mary Showman. I'm just, you know, I'm excited. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I know, so excited. We we have so many questions for you. 
So tell us what you think about iodine. There is such a huge debate going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and you can't get your doctor to even test it. So I love the fact that you can have him you know, do that, sign a refusal to test my iodine before you prescribe any thyroid hormone. I think that's just beautiful right there, honestly. Mm-hmm. It seems like such a novice test to me in the grand scheme of things. Well, I mean, certainly with iodine, you know, in most states except for a handful in the U.S., you can also order your own iodine test. And typically, as far as the um, my my preference and the one that I've I've come to feel is more useful based on discussions with a lot of different doctors is the urinary iodine clearance test, where they give you a dose of iodine and then you collect all of your urine for 24 hours after you've taken the iodine pill and then sample out a small amount uh, from the jug that you've collected and then they can tell how much was excreted into your urine and that gives them a picture of whether you have enough iodine in your system or whether you're uh, deficient in some way in iodine. But iodine, you know, I... I take some some flack on this because you know there are uh, there are the camps of everybody with a thyroid problem needs iodine, and um, right, it's one way I am or not never right. Yeah, and and I am not a I am not of that camp. I mean, I there's almost a knee jerk reaction. I mean, there's certainly doctors and and practitioners that are that are of the everybody needs iodine approach. And but you know if you go into the Whole Foods and walk up to the the supplement counter and talk to the 12-year-old that's working there and you say thyroid they start going iodine iodine you know it's almost like pavlovian reaction so right right um i and for some people it can make them very very worse particularly anxiety right. and all kinds of other problems worse. well that's mm-hmm. the thing and i think you know i mean i'm i'm one of those people and this is probably why i am not one of the iodine forever for everyone uh, approach, but whenever I've taken iodine, and I'm slightly deficient in iodine, I've been tested and I've been shown to need a little bit, not to dramatically, but a little bit. But whenever I've I've taken iodine, my thyroid swells up, so I have like a thyroiditis bout, and I get mm. exhausted. I completely crash within two or three days. It's like it's as if somebody pulled the plug on me. And wow. I've tried it in iodorol. I've tried Lugal solution. I've tried kelp, bladder rack. None of them. Yep, they all they all have the same reaction, and I've heard other people uh, describe the same thing. Now, I'm not sure whether it's an allergy to iodine or a sensitivity to the iodine, or it's the mechanism, as some practitioners have described, of essentially iodine is like pouring fuel on the fire in a Hashimoto's patient. It just increases the inflammatory reaction in the thyroid gland. Um, so in my case... I know when I need iodine, I can feel it in my body, I will eat iodine-rich food. So then I'll go eat a seaweed salad or have some miso soup with extra kelp in it, and I will feel fine and have no strange reaction. So for me, the food forms of iodine seem to work fine, and natural foods, not iodized salt, but you know, foods that are rich in iodine right, seem to work very well. Right, exactly. Fish and seafood and right. And that, right. I think, is so important. Well, you, you just hit on what we... You know, it's so important that you listen to your own body. body. You you listen to your own body. This works and this doesn't work. So no matter how smart you are or how much I respect you or no matter what, 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 that is not working for me. And then you found the way to do it. And just flower field, oh, moment, there it is. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, well yeah. I mean, you heard Mary. You heard Mary say, everybody. You heard. You heard Mary say specifically herself during this talk. She listens to her body. She's paying attention. You know, you may not know right away in the first couple of years what to be looking for, and so you pay attention over the years. And now Mary has collected all these years of, of information, so she listens to her body and she reacts based on what it's telling her. So she does this or she does that or she goes and gets a test and has a little bit more T3 or a little less or she needs a little bit more kelp or she doesn't. Every single body is different. My body's different than Mary's. So not one platform or approach is going to work. So Tiffany and I say this on every show. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're pro-iodine or not, Mary. We appreciate the fact that you're saying what works right. for you. Absolutely. Right. And that is that's right. always my approach with everything that relates to thyroid because you know we we deal with the endocrinologists and in some cases they are so narrow. It's TSH tests, it's you know Synthroid or Levothyroxine and that is the only option that you have and they don't they're not willing to consider all of the options. But at the same time there there are patients, there's doctors, there's different uh, groups and things, and and they can become just as adamant that you know everybody has an adrenal problem. Everybody needs you know natural thyroid. Right. Everybody needs to do cortisol. Everybody has iodine issues and needs to take high dose iodine. There's all these sort of the same dogmatic approach camp. to. I love the way uh, you call to, it camp. <laughs> camp. Yeah, and, camp. and as far right. as I'm concerned, you know, again, one size does not fit all, and I don't care whether you're an endocrinologist. Or you know, holistic Dr. Joe over on the other side. I don't care where, which camp you're in. Whatever you think the one size fits all solution is for everybody with thyroid disease, well, you're wrong because one size does not fit all for anybody. So you know, there are patients that do beautifully on Synthroid. There are people that that Synthroid basically makes them ill, and natural thyroid makes them feel wonderful. There are some people who really do do better with a little bit of iodine or even high dose iodine. Others like me you know, end up looking, you know, where their neck is twice the size for, for four days after they've taken an iodine pill. So anybody that tells you everybody with a thyroid problem needs to do X, Y, or Z or take A, B, or C, you know, those are the people that I say, eh, you know, they may have some good information, but let's let's not necessarily get jump on that bandwagon because so the reality absolute. is, we there are no absolutes. Absolutely, no absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and let me and, and let me give you like a, a silly kind of analogy, uh, but that it hit home for me when you were talking about there's not one camp, there's not one specific way because everybody is different. When you go to camp as a kid, some people go to band camp, some people go to space camp, some people go to cheerleading camp. You know, you go to the camp that works for you. Right. right? So that's my silly analogy, but it works, right? I mean, that only makes sense. So to me, that's common sense. A lot of people maybe not, and, and I'm glad you're saying it, Mary, and I'm glad we're talking about it because really, you know, there is no one way. So pick the camp that works for you. If you're a band exactly. camp, you go to band camp, right? Right. Go ahead, Mary. Oh, I was just going to say, and don't don't assume or insist that because it works for you, it will work for everyone else. Right. Because I've seen, 
there it is, yeah. right there. I've seen a lot of that on forums and in groups and support groups and Facebook pages, and it's like, well, excuse me, I went gluten-free, and, you know, my antibodies went negative, and, you know, if you don't go gluten-free, you're an idiot. Or, you know, I'm, I, I think that only natural thyroid and synthroid is the devil. And, you know, I mean, you'll hear all these variations from people who want to lecture each other about what's right. best and what's right. And I'm like, if something worked for you, that is wonderful, and that's a good piece of information for us all to take. But, again, don't ever assume. But that doesn't make it cert- a gospel. Right. No, it doesn't. And don't proselytize or make other few people feel bad um, because, you know, you're, they're not doing what you think they're, they're supposed to do. That drives me crazy in the thyroid right. world. It really does. Well, and it drives it drives me crazy, too. And, you know, that's what I try to do for Thyroid Nation. That was kind of like our whole platform. Like, I really want to, you know, I want to have David, uh, Dr. David Brownstein on and, and Dr. Borenstein and, and Dr. O'Brien and all these different people to come to one place so that, you know, kind of the same as you, so that, People can start here and then read from from for what works for them. I mean, that was my whole platform for Thyroid Nation. I'm not going to be you got to take iodine, and I'm not going to be you know you got to go gluten free on my website. I'm going to just provide information for people. They're going to read it and, and we have take it and go trouble. with what direction. We have gotten in trouble for that, haven't we, Dana? For for even if we di- agreed or disagreed or whatever, putting it forward because some it might work for someone else, right? <laughs> Right, you know, yeah. and and it's funny because I have a friend who we probably all know. I'm not going to name names, but she's on a pretty big group, and um, she was writing a thyroid survivor story for me. <clears throat> Mary, Tiffany, and I all need to write our thyroid survivor story, and we have not. But okay, so besides that, we we're all going to Tiffany, and I still have not written ours, Mary. So we we tease ourselves all the time that you know. How can we be asking for Sarah Thriver stories if we haven't Naughty. written our own? So we have to write Naughty our own, own too. Okay. <laughs> but um, anyway, she's afraid afraid for me to publish her story because she's afraid of the backlash she might get because she was in a group that was all AIP, you know, mm-hmm. and paleo, and Very now she's realized that it's not it working for harming her. It's not only is it not working for her, it's doing the opposite for her. And mm-hmm. so she she asked me to, to not publish it, and I was like, absolutely. She said, because I'm afraid of what might happen. I mean, that right. can't be, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's the reason I do the thyroid driver stories, and she's going to let me publish it soon. She just wants me to wait, and that's fine. But the fact that she's afraid to go onto these not forums good. because people are so adamant about right. it being one way or the highway absolutely. or my way or the highway yeah. It's just it's just not right. Well, it's frustrating, you know. I mean, you. I've I've been accused by um endocrinologists of being, you know, the queen of woo-woo and fringe uh information because I even <laughs> dare to mention natural thyroid or selenium or supplements and things. And then of course, there are the, you know, you can cure your thyroid problem by praying to the goddess, lighting candles, and dancing under the moon. <laughs> and, you know, how dare you mention pharmaceutical drugs because right, that's right. just, you know, you're, you're, you're the devil. So, I mean, you can't please every, anybody in, in the grand scheme of things. And But my philosophy is you need to know that there are options. And that's why I... I gravitate towards an integrative approach to advocacy, not just to 
um, to medicine. You know, I love my integrative doctors, and I tend to like the integrative doctors in general, but I feel like I'm an integrative advocate because I'm, I'm not going to tell you that Synthroid or Levothyroxine is evil poison any more than I'm going to tell you that, you know, natural thyroid is the answer for everybody. But I want, I want you to know that there are, you know, medications, Choices. there are supplements, there are dietary changes, there are lifestyle changes, there are mind-body issues that you can follow. There are all sorts of things in the big picture that are part of the pie that you can choose to put together for your wellness. And, you know, it's up to you and your practitioner to kind of make those choices. But what I don't want is people to think there aren't any options or, you know, it's just Synthroid or the highway or that, you know, the only solution is the gluten-free autoimmune paleo iodine protocol. And, by the way, here we <laughs> will sell it to you for eighty nine ninety five on this webpage, you know. Right. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, so it's I want to know. So I want to know. I'm going to ask you because we asked a, a couple of um, of our guests before, and I want to ask you: Have you had a chance to have lunch or breakfast today, Mary? We want to know what you had. That doesn't mean we're going to all go out and have it, but we want to know what you had. Okay. Well, let's see. I had uh, breakfast, and I had a slice of smoked salmon, and a half of an avocado sliced up into a couple pieces, and a couple of rice crackers. And um, and a giant Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Awesome! Great! I love, I love it. that. I thought she was going <laughs> to stick with the Dunkin' Donut, and I was going to be like, "Go, I, Mary!" I did too. <laughs> I was going to be like, she I was going to be like, "Oh my God, she is that? my hero!" <laughs> but I love Mary I love my coffee. I do love Mary, my coffee, though. So. Coffee too. And I take and a huge Tiffany does that too, one, Mary. So I'm right there with you. I I mm-hmm. love my. My morning coffee, and uh, there was one lady one time, and um, oh God, and I can't remember exactly how she said it. I think it was on Hypothyroid Mom or something, and she said, "I'm gonna go down, or, or oh, you can pry my coffee out of my cold, dead hands." And the article was on, you know, no caffeine for thyroid. <laughs> oh my God, yes. and it had some like two thousand likes or something, and I was like, God, love that woman. <laughs> Well, this is one of the things that I don't understand because, you know, we talk about coffee and thyroid and, you know, of course people need to be aware and a lot of people aren't that you shouldn't be taking your thyroid medicine within an hour of coffee. So, you know, you take your thyroid meds in the morning, you wait an hour, then you can have your coffee and it's not going to interfere with the absorption. Um, But then, I, you know, some people will say, oh, because of the adrenal connection, you can't drink coffee. And, you know, I mean, some people know whether they can tolerate coffee or not. And if you're you're walking around with a gigantic coffee in your hand 24 hours a day, then you're probably overdoing it and abusing your adrenals. But one or two cups of coffee a day for most people is not going to be troublesome to their adrenals. And, again, as long as they're not taking it at a time when it interferes with their thyroid med absorption, it's not a problem. Moderation for most things is not a problem. Um, you know, we worry about the goitrogenic foods and the soy and all these different things. And, you know, I, I never say to anybody, don't eat any of these things. It's just moderation. Steam and cook your, your uh, goitrogenic vegetables. Make sure your soy is in natural forms that are fermented and not in powders, pills, potions, and shakes. You know, and do it moderately. Do it the way the Asians do. And, you know, we can eat 
almost anything. We can do almost anything as long as we don't go overboard. Right, right. And pay attention to your your own thyroid. I mean, it's funny when you're talking to someone and you say, well, if you you eat something and you're constantly going, or you have a, you know, a welling up in the sinus area or even a, a sickness in your throat or something like that. You've encountered something. Who cares what you want to call it, whether you want to call it a goitrogen, whether you want to call it, who cares what you want to call it. If you find that that food or that particular thing doesn't agree with you, you don't do it just because so-and-so said it's a fabulous thing to do. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be fabulous for you. Exactly. You know? And it, people just, like you said, they get on these camps of, well, that, you know, a goitrogen is a myth. Well, I'm I'm here to tell you I can be the poster child for the fact that a goitrogen is not a myth. I'm just saying. But, you know, people get in these camps and then they almost, and God forbid you see these people torturing themselves. Mary, and I'm sure you see it all the time. Mm-hmm. They're torturing themselves. They're not doing well. This is supposed to be working. And you're like, it's not working for you. You right. know, let it go. Let it be somebody else's miracle protocol but it's not yours let it go you know? exactly so I, I mean you, you want to give something that makes sense enough times to to, sure. to kind of settle into your body so i've also had the people that said i'm on a gluten-free diet and it's not working well how long have you been on it three days you know okay um <laughs> you know we need to give it a little more time than that folks or you know my, my natural thyroid isn't working and they've been on it for two days or three days or something so we need to have a little more patience about these things, but at the same time, we also know, or we also need to know when it's time to cut and run and say this particular approach or this particular way of eating or supplementing, et cetera, it, it's not doing it for me, and I need to keep looking and exploring and finding a better fit. Well, and along 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 those lines the AIP, and not that I uh, disagree or agree, it it doesn't really matter because I always try to pay attention to what works for me, but I was on a forum and someone was just saying, you know, well, I have, you know, uh, thyroid problems and I'm newly diagnosed and what can I do? And immediately the very first thing, you know, people were saying was go AIP and that's that's the kind of forum this is and whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, all she said was she was newly diagnosed with thyroid. And Maybe she hasn't even gotten to the realm of of any of Mary's information yet. Maybe she just discovered who Mary Showman was, and she hadn't learned that maybe she has adrenal fatigue, or maybe she has minor, uh, mineral or vitamin deficiencies. You know, maybe AIP isn't for her. I have maybe she needs fatigue. some T3. Yeah, maybe she needs I have T3. adrenal fatigue, and I need carbohydrates. I need them. I I start not being right without them, and I need them in the morning and. And I just, I have to have them. So, you know, you can't just make a, well, they do make like a statement, but it makes me very frustrated when they do because I sit there and think to myself, no, 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 please just ask more questions or, or suggest she talks to a doctor, suggest she research more, suggest she goes and checks out Mary Showman. I don't know, right? Well, I had this wonderful interview one time with um, Anne-Marie Colvin, who is a nutritionist and was uh, created a um, holi- uh, really a, like a, a vegetarian and holistic gourmet institute in New York. And so she's a very well-known uh, nutritionist and creates recipes, and so she's very big in the food world. And I remember sitting down with her, and I said, well, what's the best diet? And she said, you know, the best diet is the one that fits best with you. And she said, I have been vegan and vegetarian 
and pescatarian and basically, you know, an omnivore at various points in my life and when it has suited me. And she said when she was younger, she was a vegetarian and she, uh, her husband was not. And she said, I put him on a vegetarian diet because I wanted him to be as healthy as I was. And she said, within weeks, he started to get every infection and cold. Mm -hmm. He was exhausted. He was tired. He was dragging all around. And his immune system was shot. And she realized about six months in, the poor guy needs protein. He needs meat. He can't be a vegetarian. She put him back on meat, and he bounced right back into, into action. And then when she was in her 50s and going through menopause, she said, you know, I'd been vegetarian for a number of years. And all of a sudden, my body said, I need meat. And she said, I started eating meat again. So I think for people that don't have a um, a moral reason for choosing which way they're eating or which thyroid medications they're taking, et cetera, you know, what you need to realize is the best diet, supplement plan, thyroid medicine, uh, et cetera, et cetera, for you is the one that safely works best for you. And that may be different at different times of your life as well. Um, I remember my doctor telling me, um, she said, look, I love vegetarian eating, and I think it's really healthy, and it's a really good choice for some people. But she said, I've got all these women in their 20s and 30s coming in who are having infertility problems, and they've got no iron. They're eating vegetarian. They're not getting enough iron, et cetera. And And she said, I'm telling them, if they're not morally opposed to it, eat a piece of meat once or twice a week or some fish, and they're able to get pregnant. So, you know, the impact of diet and lifestyle and supplements and what we eat and don't eat has an effect on our hormones. And, you know, we all have to realize that we are all different. And, you know, again, different points in our lives, different things may fit better for us. That is a breath That's another flower field moment. It It is. is. It's a flower field moment because – because truly, like she just said, and she's like a nutritionist and everything, you know, she was a vegetarian and it served her well. And then she hit her 50s and she needed meat. So she listened to her body and she started eating meat. I mean, and she may have had all these things against, you know, or feeling good, like I don't eat meat because of all of these reasons. And then she had to go out on a limb and start eating meat. And she did because she listened to her body. Exactly. So, Well, and we forget, you know, we really forget how beautifully designed we are. Like, you know, our body will tell us, hey, that's not really working for you, or that was really good, let's do that again. Or, you know, we don't don't give our own bodies enough credit, you know, to really how beautifully designed and that they are. It's that communication. It's almost like we've severed communication between ourselves and our bodies. We're not listening anymore. Well, yeah, there's a feedback mechanism to to let us know when things are working and when they're not. But if we're not paying attention, uh, it becomes much more difficult. And you know, that's where that's where I I sort of want to put in a a plug for really mindfulness training or doing some form of meditation or just you know getting quiet when with yourself, prayer or deep breathing or however it is that you kind of get in touch with what's going on down deep at a more uh, soul level, at a core level, because this also has an effect on 
on healing and how we feel and whether we're approaching things um, in the right way. Because, you know, I think I, I, I talk with a lot of people who feel like they are victims. They are just thyroid victims, and nothing I do is going to change it. I'm just always going to be sick and miserable, and the doctors are terrible, and the system is terrible, and and they really want to blame everyone. And I that's frustrating to me because even in the worst situations, we have some power and we have some control. And the first thing we can control is how we respond to it, whether we're a victim or whether we are taking some agency and some control in helping ourselves move forward and finding at least some things that might work for us. So um, I love, <coughs> excuse me, I love um, guided meditation. Um, I love uh Demo Demartilli's thyroid meditation, um, and he's actually somebody that you guys may want to have on the show because he's wonderful. He I was just going to say, who is that again? Tell us again. His who name is, is that? D- yeah. His name is Demo Demartilli, and he has a company called One Light One Spirit, which is creating guided meditations. But he specifically created the only guided meditation for thyroid patients. Oh, and cool, cool. It's it's so it's so empowering. I'll I'll touch base with you folks uh off the show and uh, put you in contact with him because his thyroid meditation is one of my must listens to every night. I mean, I listen to it every day. And um but I also like to do deep breathing and the last couple of weeks I've posted on my Facebook, I've gone to a flotation tank and floated around and I that was really relaxing. So whatever we can do to bring um, kind of healing attitude to the table, I think is also really important because we can, you can, di- you know, do diet and exercise and medicine and eat right and supplement and everything else. But if you're walking around thinking that, you know, the world is coming right. to an end feeling and you're defeated. a victim, right. you're not going to feel well. I don't care what uh, what all wonderful things are working in your favor. Attitude has a part of it. It, it has a part we in it as well. Embrace medical mindfulness. I love yes. that term. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, you know how, like, uh, as an example, you know, you you would hear about, and I remember as a kid, you know, you'd hear about women craving, you know, dirt when they're pregnant. Right. Right. And that's because their body is craving minerals and things that it's deficient in. So, like, your body is telling you that. So, so that's such a big point you just made. You know, we're not listening to our bodies, and the only way to do that is to you know, practice medical mindfulness or take some time to be calm. And, and you know, like Mary said with this um, meditation, some people just need that that push, this push a button, you know, do this, and it will help them. You know, other people can go outside and do the whole walk in the grass thing, and that will help them. I have lots of grass. I walk, try to get outside and walk in the grass and connect so that you are able to, like, just stand there and not think about your text or your facebook or you're this and you just really just kind of look within and then you're able to hear a little bit more right isn't exactly the whole point is that you can hear music music beauty you know i mean if you love paintings go look at paint things that bring that things that make you deep breathe and we all know what that means that that whole deep breath where you just take such a deep breath you're like oh i need to do that more frequently really (laughs) whatever makes you do that do more yeah Trees or ocean or whatever it is, you know, yoga for me really works. Breathing, like Mary said, I just, I love all those things. And those things help you remember to listen to your body so that you don't forget you need to, 
maybe get some different nutrients or you need to get some testing or, or whatever. So thank you for that. And I would love to talk to him, so thank you for bringing that up. Okay, tell I us, will Mary, definitely connect you. Tell us about you. What's coming up? Are, do you have anything new on the horizon? Are you going anywhere, doing anything, writing any books, writing any articles? Tell I, us what's new and, and all that. I've got a lot on the on the uh on the burner and um one thing is that this summer um the second of my healthy hormones PBS specials will be coming out. Uh the oh, first cool. one I yeah, I recorded that with Teresa Tapp who is a fitness expert down in Florida and creator of the T-Tap method of right, right of mind and body movement and she and I uh recorded the first special and it was so popular with the PBS stations all around the country that they asked for a second one and we've recorded that with a third person who you all will know Sarah Gottfried Dr. Sarah Gottfried oh very cool yes so the three of us got together and and recorded this special which is going to it's being edited and finalized now so it'll be showing up on uh, PBS stations around the country towards the end of the summer so that's and it's about um basically being fit and fabulous and sexy after 40 and uh, cuz all of us are over 40 and uh, some of us are even over 50 uh Dr. Sarah still hasn't hit 50 yet I think she's the young in the group but um mm-hmm. we got together and we're approaching it from hormones uh movement nutrition and you know lifestyle and a lot of different approaches uh, and so it's a, it's a really information-packed hour show that you'll be able to pick up on your local PBS. So um, that's a lot of fun. And then uh, I think I, I think it's safe to announce this now because we've kind of been getting the word out a little bit. But uh, Dana Trentini, hypothyroid mom, and I uh, have a deal with a wonderful publisher, uh, Perseus Books, to publish a new book, which is going to be coming out next year on pregnancy, fertility, uh, for women with thyroid disease. So we're sort of taking the... Yeah, we're excited about that because we're taking the mission of what she's been focusing on at Hypothyroid Mom and my work in terms of the advocacy and the two of us are sort of joining forces in this to write this book and our goal is to not only help inform women who don't have thyroid problems that may be being affected by them in terms of their ability to have baby or have a healthy baby, uh, help pre- women with thyroid issues have healthy pregnancies and deliveries and breastfeeding, um, but also we really want to start a platform for um, advocating universal thyroid screening in pregnancy. This is a big issue that's close to both of our hearts. So uh, that new book is going to be coming out next year, and we'll actually be uh, getting some stories from people who've been through uh, the ringer with you know, pregnancies, miscarriages, issues with doctors while they've been pregnant, trouble breastfeeding, postpartum, depression, all of these issues. So I'm sure we'll be touching base with you all too uh, because uh, we're, we're going to be – hoping that all the different communities will have folks that want to share their stories and potentially be included in the book. It's so important. Well, that absolutely. is amazing. And don't worry. We, we will share your PBS information when that comes out, and we must have Everything. probably it would be really neat to do a show with both you and Dana on together. We had Dana on a little while back, and we'd love to have when that comes out, we'd love to have you both together on the show. I think that would be really neat. So, I so know we'll have we'd to love talk to do that. that. Hopefully we we can do that, and tell everybody where they can find you, Mary, if they don't already know who you are. 
Okay. Well, you can find me. At, I'm. Uh, I have the uh, about.com site, so that's thyroid.about.com. My personal site, which needs some updating, is thyroid-info.com. You can find me on Facebook at thyroid support, all one word. And uh, I'm on Twitter, and uh, my handle is Thyroid Mary. And, and everybody knows you, but we just wanted you to say it. We just wanted you to say it anyway, but everybody knows who you are. You don't get online everybody and start researching. Uh, yeah, thyroid and doesn't know who you are, but we just wanted you to say it. And we thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday. You know I'm a big fan. I'm oh. so very grateful. Thank you, Mary. Well, it's thank been you for a coming pleasure. On the show talking with you both and um it's really been a lot of fun and uh thank you for doing this it's a really uh wonderful part of the whole advocacy movement to be able to get this information out from so many great guests that you've had so keep going keep going keep doing the great work thank, thank you, you thank you thank you and we'll for talk being to you who you we'll are promoting... yeah all right we'll, be, well, we'll take care to you soon all right absolutely thank you again thank you all right Bye-bye. 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 That was amazing. She's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Like, that's like a power-packed hour and a half right there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. We just talked to Mary Showman. I know, right? Right? Woot, woot. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought of that three months ago? I just. I'm just in like my little happy place. So, oh, that I'm was just really great. Listen to that again great, great, great. and again in the archive. I am going to listen to it again and again. Okay, so what do we have to cover? And we only have a minute left. Let's do it. Very, very big thank you to our listeners. You guys are amazing. Spread the word. Remember, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, but it is a nail. Tell them this is have your thyroid checked. <laughs> yes. Do it. <laughs> Make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. We've gone over and over and over and over and over that. So, Diana, what you want to tell? Okay, next week we have Health Benadol, author of the newly released uh, From Hypothyroid to Healthy. It's got Sarah Downing. She's going to be co-hosting. She's in it. Dana Trentini, Michelle Bickford of Thyroid Change. It's going to be an amazing show. Sarah has a fantastic accent. You guys cannot, cannot <laughs> miss it. This is Dana, is your thyroid Nation Gringa Tika from Costa Rica. And Tiffany with GratefulGarden.biz. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys. United we heal. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do, Dana. It's already gone, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have 20. 20-